Welcome to the Maths in Schools podcast. Hello and welcome. My name is Alan Duggan, CEO of the Australian Association of Mathematics Teachers. In this series, we'll be exploring ideas and strategies for effectively teaching mathematics in schools. Today, we're going to explore the seventh component of explicit teaching, and that is explicit connections are made among related mathematical concepts. I'm really excited that I have Dr. James Russo from Monash University joining us to have this conversation today. James is an educator and researcher interested in a wide range of research topics, including the role of challenging tasks, games in children's literature as pedagogical approaches, teacher and student emotional responses in the primary maths classroom, better understanding the relationship between classroom practice and academic research, the learning and teaching of mental computation and estimation. James, thank you so much for your time. I'm glad to have you with us today. Thanks for having me, Alan. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Excellent. So James, today we're going to have a conversation about connections, how we make connections in the maths classroom. And I think that the component is called out as explicit connections are made amongst related mathematical concepts. So let me let me start off by the first question. It's a bit of a closed question, but feel free to kind of take it where you where you will. When someone says connections to me, I almost always go straight to context. If I want to make connections in maths, I need to put it in context. Would you say that connections are always about context? It's interesting because when someone says connections to me, context is not the first thing that that, that comes to mind. When I think about connections in mathematics, probably the first thing I think about at the moment is connections between different mathematical representations. So if you're going to be exploring a particular mathematical idea, this idea that it's, it's really important to show it in more than one way. So the students who maybe maybe they don't grasp it the first time um, through one particular representation, they might grasp it through the second or the third representation that the teacher, the teacher highlights or introduces. Or it might be that, you know, you had students work on the same problem um, and set up their work differently and, and, and use different tools to show their mathematical thinking. And the teacher has an opportunity to show how those different different approaches from different students were connected. So, I mean, if we're talking about like practical examples, we might be talking about what something looks like using, you know, a number line, uh, say an open number line versus some other um, tool for mental computation like the Singapore bar method. We might be connecting scale number lines, number charts, um, place value charts, that is. So the idea that we can represent mathematical ideas in different ways and, and explore connections between them, I think is uh, a critical aspect of, of mathematics instruction. And it's actually something that I, I, I when I think about explicit teaching, um, what's the universal truth about explicit teaching, regardless of what you know, what pedagogical approach you're adopting in that given lesson, whether it's teaching maths through problem solving or whether it's a more traditional lesson, I think the notion of making connections and connecting different mathematical uh, representations is fundamental. You spoke there about multiple representations and listeners who have listened to the last six episodes will know that I furiously take notes and, and kind of circle back and already I've got a few additional questions to follow up with you here. But we spoke about multiple representations there. Um, and maybe this is a, a really obvious question, but in a crowded curriculum where we feel like we are constantly running to keep up with that which we must deliver in the learning journey, why are multiple representations so important? Why, why is it not enough just to 
have one representation and move on? Well, I suppose <laughs> teachers have all been in this situation where, you know, you could say, we've taught this concept, you know, we've taught this concept, you know, a dozen times for, across the first uh, few years of primary school and still the student doesn't get it. They don't get it. They don't get it. So we keep teaching them and teaching them. They don't get it. And they can't seem to hold on to the knowledge. And, you know, you know some, of, some of the topics like, you know, I'm just thinking about addition strategies. We do addition strategies in, in foundation, year one, year two, year three. We start to look at the, the strategies get a little bit more sophisticated, but often we're just circling back going over the same important ideas as we're trying to develop students, you know, deepen students' understanding and knowledge. So for me, it's it, can we make um, our first efforts, if you like, at introducing these ideas more powerful powerful and memorable for students, make them resonate more with, with what students um, know and are capable of understanding? And I think for me, multiple representations is a pathway to deepening our teaching and in some ways making getting more bang for our buck, you know, getting more bang for every, every minute um, we're with the kids in a maths classroom because we're, we're emphasising connected knowledge with representations that they might be familiar with already, being connected to representations they might be less familiar with. Um, it's, a, it's a good opportunity to, to, to draw on other students and their input um, and, and connect it to the work I might have done as a student as well. So for me, it's, it's, um, it's about, I guess, instructional, if you want to use this term, instructional efficiency as well. Like by going deeper, we're actually being more efficient over the long run with our instruction as well, because students are going to retain more and they're going to be able to apply more because they, you know, their whole framework is different. Their, their knowledge base is richer and more interconnected. So it's really multiple representations, I guess, from what you're saying here is about us giving as many opportunities to as many students as possible to develop deep understanding of the concepts being covered and taught, right? That's that's what I would say, yes. And it's also a chance to, for the teacher to introduce or to steer the, the students towards, you know, formal mathematic, mathematical representations as well, perhaps, um, as well as, you know, some, some, you know, more idiosyncratic methods. So, for example, if it's that, you know, if it's decided that we need to introduce the addition algorithm, the formal addition algorithm, um, to be able to connect the formal addition algorithm to, you know, a representation using uh, place value blocks like MAV, but also to be able to connect it to um, mental methods the students are going to be more familiar with is actually going to help them develop a deeper understanding of the algorithm. So if there's a need um, to introduce some formal mathematics, not that that's necessarily, you know, this is one example of, a, sort of some formal mathematics that's part of the curriculum that's important, we can then connect that to, um, students' existing um, understandings and methods that they're using. So that's another way, another aspect. So it's about all students can can access and connect, but it's also an opportunity for the teacher to thread in some additional, so maybe more formal content that they that they need to cover that connects to some of the informal approaches students might be adopting. So maybe that's another thing I might add. Excellent. So so there's this whole idea of connections being um, an opportunity to really deepen understanding, provide a foundation for formalization, if you like, for, for want of a, a better word, and, and hopefully um, help to move it from short-term memory to long-term retention mm -hmm. is the kind of three takeaways that I that I have so far in in our conversation. Is that is that a fair summary so far? It's a good summary. Thanks, Alan. <laughs> What's the thing that I was <laughs> <laughs> So if if we were if we were thinking about it as a 
as a practitioner, I think one of the challenges that is often in front of us is that it's very clear um, what it is we ought to be teaching our young people today. You know, single digit addition that crosses 10 or doesn't cross 10 or, or, or whatever we want to talk about. What are some of the things that or some of the ways that we should be thinking about connections when it comes to our, our planning and considering of the maths curriculum? That's an interesting idea. So I think um, one of the ways, one of the ways when we're planning is to think, well, how, how would you know? How would I expect different hypothetical students in my classroom to be thinking about this problem? So what sort of strategies might I be expecting them them to use? And then once I've sort of mapped out, you know, what I, what I might be expecting from my students where they're at, maybe there's like so we might be able to cluster into say three groups of students or something like that. Then I might be thinking on a couple of levels, I might be thinking, is there a natural connection between how these students are thinking about the, how solving this mathematical problem? Can I, can I make a connection between these different approaches that they're adopting? And also what visual representations um, do I have access to as a teacher that I can draw on to, to sort of dr- help them draw out whatever method or approach I'm anticipating? So this is during the planning phase. So it might be that, oh, I can think of a good diagram that I could draw alongside that solution approach or that description that a student might offer that will really um, sort of help other students connect to the mathematics that that student is doing. So always thinking about, particularly if it's a, you know, if it's an area of mathematics where we, we often encourage students to verbalise their thinking, is there a visual representation that can also capture that idea, capture that action? Um, so connections between different student approaches, but also connections to some sort of visual, visual model, because I think the idea, the multiple representations also works on the level of not to get back into learning styles, because you know, we don't it's problematic, but the idea that we want to actually make sure that students are making connections across different modes as well. So like, you know, I, I can, I can visualize it as a diagram. I can explain it, um, that kind of thing as well. So we, you know, we, we're really thinking at the moment around the whole idea of how we help them to give or make connections within the current learning, within the, the topic that they're in or the, the concept that they're exploring what about if we broaden that thinking? Obviously, that we, we've spoken about why it's important to be thinking about making connections within the current learning. But what if we what if we look outside of it? How do you think it's helpful to think about making connections with past learning or future learning? What what does that look like, and what ought we be thinking about when we kind of do that? I think it's really a really powerful point, and and one of the reasons it's a powerful point is just stepping away from the mathematics for a second. If you want to build a community of learners, one of the things that you know, a community is, it's, it's, is it's continuous in time. So it exists across time. Um, and it is relevant to call back to what we did the other day or, you know, what we've done earlier and what we're going to do in the future, what we've learned about and what we understand. So by creating this, by seeing, you know, what we're learning about in mathematics as an interconnected web, we're actually honouring this notion that we are a mathematics community that's learning together. It's not just about the unit of a lesson or the unit, you know, a unit of work, you know, 12 consecutive lessons or whatever it might be. So I think that, that that's that's really important, um, sort of putting aside the conceptual understanding of the mathematics for just building that sense of community and actually honouring and, um, and bolstering that sense of community. The, the point that you just made there is actually a powerful one that we ought to stop and just reflect on for a second because I think often there's this challenge in maths that it is a set of unrelated, if you like, ideas and concepts that come together to form a, a set of lessons that we call maths. And and sometimes it's about 
you know, addition. Sometimes it's about subtraction. Sometimes it's about shape. Sometimes it's about fractions. Um, but often to the, some of the students that find maths most challenging, there's no interconnectedness to them. And one of the things that I think is fundamentally important as we think about mathematics teaching and, and, and how we deliver that is, is the narrative that we attach to that learning and how we're constructing a young person's mathematical narrative, if you like. You know, I think about a, a, a unit of work that you might study in, in English, in English language, for example, and I, I don't claim to be an expert in that space, but I, you know, think about a, a novel study, for example, the novel study that you um, might in, embark on in your classroom doesn't just look at that novel in isolation. It might look at the the language used. It might it might reach out into the history curriculum. It might reach out into the science or the geography or the the personal social emotional well being. It, it it reaches into multiple different spaces, and and that narrative of of the the book actually is then used to build a narrative of learning in multiple places. And I think that's one of the challenges that we're often faced with in maths. And I think that's what you were saying there is that whole idea of the, the importance of, of a maths story for our young people must not be um, misunderstood or, or, or undervalued. You know, one of the things, and I've said this before, but one of the things that I always found really challenging as, as a high school teacher was the number of times that students would say, why are we doing this? What, why is this important? Where will I use it in real life? You know, or some other form of that. But you walk into an art classroom or a music classroom or a woodwork classroom. And whilst there is no purpose to, you know, music other than music itself, and there is no purpose to art other than art itself. And there's some people who would, would disagree with me and I'm, I'm simplifying that down for, for the, the, you know, the purpose of this example, students don't sit there and ask those questions in art or music or other subjects, the way they ask them in maths. And, and personally, I think part of that is because there's a, there's a narrative missing in their mathematics learning. Um, and I think that's a really, you know, fundamental and important part of our challenge as educators is how do we try to create a narrative in that maths learning? It's a really interesting idea. And then whether there is scope as well. Like, so I think that the building the community is really critical for me because, it, you know, students can spark off each other. They can, they can want to discover the mathematics together and that can actually generate its own momentum. Um, and, and that can actually help facilitate what you're talking about, connections across different subject areas. Because if there's a sense of genuine inquiry that we're actually invested in, in exploring this mathematical topic or going deeper into it together, we need to harness what we know already to, you know, along that journey, obviously, and we need to all kind of bring bring in our own resources and bring in our own sense of, you know, what we understand the problem to be. And when you see a maths community humming, being in a primary or secondary space really successfully, it is one of the most, it, it, it just, I, I get tingles, you know, just, just watching it. It's amazing to see the students when they're, when they're, at, that, they're at that level learning from each other. Um, and, and, and that's not to say that the teacher's passive at all. The teacher's, you know, extremely active as a facilitator in that community all the time. And, in, and again, extremely active in trying to support those connections by putting in place the structures that allow for that collaboration and allow for those connections to previous learning. And maybe 
visual displays in the classroom that, that can support that as well. You know, what, however you use anchor charts and things like that, there's an opportunity there obviously to always be connecting back and connecting forward um, and, and creating that network. And as you said, creating a narrative around around their mathematics learning. One of the things I, I, I read recently, some of the project math work that the, I think it was the Annenberg Foundation did, kind of 2016, 17, uh, in partnership. I think it was in partnership with the NCTM in the US. And one of the, the quotes that kind of stuck out to me, and I, I wrote it down because I knew we were having this chat today, was the whole idea that unless we focus on making connections and, you know, I'm not sure how I feel about that word focus, but I don't want to misrepresent the quote. Unless we focus on making connections, students may view their learning of maths as the accumulation of unrelated and discrete ideas. And I think that's the that's one of the, the challenges in that space. And, you know, we, we think about connections within the strand, within the learning to make multiple representations and deepen um, deepen the learning and the understanding, but we need to think about it across strands um, in order to make sure it's not about unrelated and discrete ideas. But we also then need to think about it in terms of future learning, right? Um, and making connections to future learning. And that's that's a really challenging space to sit in because it, it, it it's not about teaching them that future learning, but it's, been, it's about being cognizant of that future learning, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely. In such a way that don't, we don't want to teach them stuff that then has to be untaught later to be retaught for future learning. And so, you know, there, there's that there's that sense of um, how do we make connections and how do we prepare them to make connections um, to the future? And that's before we've even we've even spoken about making connections across the curriculum or into the real world. So that you know, we, we've had a 20 minute or so conversation already today and and all we're thinking about is within strand and across strand and in terms of past and future learning and it's a really complex thing to think about right mm-hmm. oh for sure it is and i and i think even when you if you sort of want to talk about another aspect when we talk about context one way of seeing it you know is is, is the context in the service of the mathematics, if you like, in those examples of, you know, I've got, I don't know, seven chocolates and I ate three chocolates, how many chocolates do I have left or whatever it might be, using this context as a, as a means of just, just you, know, you know, giving you a word of problem effectively. But the other thing is to flip it around and to ask, let's take a genuine narrative out there in the world um, or a genuine problem out there in the world and how can mathematics um, be in service to to deepening our understanding of that problem, offer a, a useful lens on that problem. And you know, this is something I love to do. This is one of my interests in like in using picture storybooks in the classroom. Um, is is to sort of take a story that you know that that students are hopefully familiar with, and to look at it through a mathematical lens. Because I think that that's another way of 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 developing a genuine interest and excitement and love of mathematics, and also seeing it as a potentially powerful and useful tool. By, by looking at familiar stories or, or exciting um, clips from movies, possibly. The one I really like to use um, of late has been The Shrink Ray from Despicable Me and, and, and just developing some sort of mathematical inquiry around that idea. So I think that there's um, and there's real benefits to doing that in terms of helping supporting students, I think, to visualise the mathematics because they can actually they can think about the narrative, reflect on the narrative, and they kind of bring the mathematical idea to life. In this case, there's notion of you know scale and proportional reasoning through through reflecting on the story. 
So I think that that's, when I think about connections in mathematics, I think that's another another angle, kind of inverting the notion of the context as you presented it before, rather than sort of either like connecting it to the real world um, in a superficial way, as I did with the, with the word of problem, or always saying, oh, it has to be connected to something real because students respond better when the maths is real. I think the students respond just as well when the mathematics is real to them. It's alive in their imaginations, and and it's and and it sort of comes to life um, as as they you know as they do the mathematics through um, through this rich narrative that they might have might have viewed or reflected on. We've spoken within strands. We've spoken across strands. We've spoken past learning. We've spoken future learning. We started off today with the question of context meaning real life or connections being context being real life talk to me a little bit about the importance or the opportunity of making connections to the real world and and what that what that means and what that looks like i don't want to step back into you know to being too um black and white about these things but i'm just thinking of one example would be um I was working with my brother on a project. He was interested in in tapping into student interests, but sort of teaching basically percentages, decimals, and fractions, and doing some sort of problem solving work around that. But he wanted to do it such that um, it was going to tap into students' interests. So basically, got students to pick an elective, five different content electives. So you know, basketball was one. There was robotics was another. Um, dance was another, and there were, there were a couple. I think something to do with zoos. Something. And there was another one I can't remember. And so students would opt into one of these contexts that they valued and that they'd interest that they're interested in. So this was sort of a hundred plus year five six students choosing one of these electives, and the teacher would would sort of run these lessons exploring those mathematical ideas through that particular context. So the one that resonated most with me, because I love basketball, was uh, my brother um, introduced uh, uh, a little video clip looking at different ways of shooting free throws. So underarm versus um, just regular free throws and sort of used as, as, a, as a provocation, the idea that if you shoot free throws underarm, you're actually more accurate. So why don't all these poor free throw shooters like Shaquille O'Neal, why didn't they adopt underarm methods? And you know, Shaquille, O'Neal, Shaquille O'Neal's reason was that it doesn't look cool. Um, so that's why he steered clear of it. But anyway, he actually then got the kids to go out there and generate some data as you can imagine how it would have gone, shooting free throws in different ways, getting them to represent that using um, you know, fractions, decimals, percentages and making connections between them. But that to me is an example of a context that he was pretty confident was going to resonate with the students and be alive to the students because, well, they'd opted in to pursue that particular um, elective. So to me, there's like there's plenty of examples of, of using context in really powerful ways um, to, 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 to pique students' interests and to make the mathematics more real to them. Um, but but it has to be done in a way that's sort of authentic to students rather than in a way that's sort of thrusted upon students. That would be like one of my yeah one of my reactions to that question, I guess. And I think I think you know we ought to be thinking about connections. That that narrative statement that I made um, earlier on today about we don't want math to be a not connected set of ideas. We want the connection. So where is the the connection through? maybe geometry or where is the connection um, to what's going on. But I, th- I think the importance of authenticity must not be un- undervalued, if you like. The, the reality is that the more contrived the connection to the real world is, the more likely it is for the young person to either not engage with it or kind of see through it. 
with us. Alan, I'd say the advantage as well of an authentic connection, like the busbook's example is really powerful because you're actually drawing students' attention to something that they're then going to go back and encounter again in the real world and maybe attend to in a different way based on this experience they've had at school. So another connection is actually not just sort of bringing the context into the classroom, but actually taking the classroom into the context, if you like, or taking the maths back into the context next time they're at a basketball game or watching basketball on television and free throw percentage comes up. Well, they probably have a deeper appreciation for what that number actually means. And they're probably going to attend to it in a different way and maybe evaluate the players that they like or dislike in a different way based on some knowledge they've picked up in the classroom. So I think that that's the other advantage of making it authentic is the learning that doesn't stop at you know, when they leave the mass mass classroom, there's an invitation for them to take that to take that away because it's actually going to help them make more sense of the world around them. And your sales example obviously resonates with that idea as well. That's why I think it's important because next time they're at a shop and they're seeing discounts upon discounts, oh, now I know what that means. Okay, well now I can make a better decision. But you know, in that moment, that mathematical learning is being reactivated as well and deepened. So it does it does kind of create connections um, back to the real world as well as bringing the real world into the classroom. So I'm, I'm very aware of time and we're coming towards the end. I guess if I were to try and sum up our conversation today, James, I would be talking about connections are fundamentally important when we are thinking about and planning um, our learning journeys in maths, because otherwise we run the risk of it being perceived as a set of unrelated and unconnected ideas. Um, so connections are important, connections are significant, but we need to think about them in, in a number of levels. We need to think about connections in the content that we're teaching right now. So within the the, the topic area, within the, the content, we need to be making connections through that multiple representation idea to deepen, to deepen understanding. We need to be making connections to other content that we have already taught or will teach in in the kind of short time frame at the moment. So how do we build connections to um, previous learning or soon to come learning? But we also want to make connections to past learning, you know, more than a year ago learning or last year's learning and lead the way into next year's learning. And all of that's a consideration before we even then start to think about connections into real life and, and application spaces. And really it's about building learning have I summed it up well? And is there anything that I've missed or anything that you wanted to add that you don't feel that you got a chance to, to talk about today? Oh, no, I think you've summed it up really well. So let me let me thank you, James. I really appreciate your time today. Um, Dr. James Russell from Monash University talking to us about explicit connections and how we make them among related mathematical concepts. James, thanks for your time today. No worries. Thanks so much for having me, Alan. It's been great fun. You can explore more about this topic, find explicit teaching in maths professional learning modules and other great maths resources to use in your school at the Mathematics Hub, mathshub.edu.au.